There are expectations and there are results. There's on paper and there's on the field. The Pittsburgh Steelers came into this season with different expectations. Today, we're looking at who has lived up to those expectations and who hasn't. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the cutting room floor. We're going to start looking at the Steelers' offense, where it has not lived up to any expectations at all. It's been largely terrible. Worse than it was last season, when Ben Roethlisberger's diminished skill set created a problem. The offensive line was a problem. There, There were problems all over the place in 2021. And yet, a lot of those problems remain in 2022. We're starting to look at the offensive line. Uh, as a caveat here, I am going off my expectations for this team. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go off what I talked about this offseason, uh, looking at you know a lot of the a lot of the film, looking at different people and, and, and different projections and skill sets, and what I predicted this offseason. So not looking at anyone else's predictions, I'm looking at mine. In the offensive line, I was pretty vocal this offseason about the change on the offensive line. The fact that we needed to add in the ability to run outside, outside zone, wide zone, split zones, all these things. We needed to add that to the running game in order to stop defenses from just teeing off on an inside zone and gap scheme that the running game was kind of reduced to in 2021. I expected the offensive line to struggle early on, grow into a solid line by around week five, and then be at least, if they're healthy, be, you know, a, a average to maybe even above average offensive line by the midpoint of the season. Currently, that offensive line is actually ahead of my expectations. They are a solid unit right now in week three. Week two, they were really close to it. They were they were pretty pretty much in that NFL average offensive line kind of position. And we're only three weeks into the season. With how terrible they were in the preseason, we were all like, oh man, this is going to be even worse than we expected it to be. I was kind of worried that this was going to take way too long. And maybe they wouldn't even develop into a solid NFL offensive line. But they're largely there. There's still some mental errors. There's still some some bad plays that need to be ironed out, some communication issues that probably need to be worked on. But overall, this is a very solid offensive line. It's not Cleveland's offensive line. It's not the offensive line we had when, you know, we had Pouncey and, and DeCastro and Villanueva and Ramon Foster. It's not that offensive line. But it's a solid NFL offensive line. Much better than a lot of the lines we we were used to before Mike Munchak came to the Steelers. So they are ahead of expectations, and they're doing quite well. When we look at running backs, Najee's Harris had some injury issues, had a foot problem, had re-aggravated that. He hasn't been the same back he was last year. He's getting closer, but he's still not quite there yet. Jalen Warren has been the guy 
that we were talking about that we needed to find to take some of the load off of Najee Harris. The Steelers tried signing uh, some cheaper free agents. They didn't work out. And it ends up being Jalen Warren coming in and winning that job and, and being the guy to, to take some of the workload off Najee Harris. And that's working. The running backs have not lived up to expectations in the case of Najee Harris because of his injuries. He hasn't been the same guy again. And that's that's kind of the that's kind of the giant, you know, elephant in the room anytime you draft a running back. It's not how good is this running back when they're healthy and when they're, you know, in their prime, but how long do you get that for? Before injuries and wear and tear bring their game down to a level where they're not worth what you invested in them and you would have been better off getting someone else. That's kind of what we're looking at. The NFL has managed to improve the long-term viability of the careers of many different positions with safety, you know, with their safety initiatives, but running backs are not one. Running backs are still just as likely to get hurt, to have short careers as they always have been. Other positions, their careers have been going getting longer. Running backs have not. So the big question here is, can Najee Harris get back to where he was? And how long can he be that back? And with this season looking like it's probably not going to be, you know, the best season. It's a sad season to look at that. So the so running back. A little below expectations. I am happy that they found someone to take some of the load off of Najee Harris. I'd like to see it more. I'd like to see Najee Harris running Nick Chubb kind of numbers. You go back and look at Nick Chubb's career and how many times he touches the ball and how impactful he is. He isn't that constant handoff to him. He's not that, he's not taking every snap. And he has lasted for quite a while and he is still one of the best running backs in the NFL. Najee Harris on his workload, still too high, in my opinion. They need to take it even more off. They need to they use him more carefully because we'd love to see him have a career that's longer. That'd be great. Now I want to get to the quarterback. And this is this is the big one. Obviously, <laughs> this is the big one. When Trubisky was brought in, we were looking for a quarterback that would add mobility. Not just being able to scramble, but also be a threat to run. A person that could add more threat on downfield passing. Someone who could thrive on RPOs and play action. Open up the middle field and attack it. That's what I was looking for, and that's what I was saying. Hey, this is what they're, you know, this is what they need to do. This is what we're looking for from Trubisky. It's not what we got. Now, I did not expect Mitchell Trubisky to be great throwing the ball to the middle of the field. That's never been his strength. But he is good off play action. At least he was in the past, and we're not seeing that very much this season. He was also. Pretty decent throwing the ball outside and downfield, right? Downfield and outside. We haven't seen that either. Let's get into that. Let's start with that. Outside pass, uh, 
deep passes to the outside parts of the field, not to the middle of the field. If you if you look at the NFL to right now, the different quarterbacks, Trubisky has thrown the fifth most. Only four quarterbacks have more than him, and I believe that he is at 20, and the highest is at 24. He has thrown a lot of balls deep and outside. Fifth in attempts. He's 26th in completion percentage on those passes. 26th. Completing only 35% of those throws. In yards per completion, he's 23rd. 23rd. That and the lower completion percentage gives you 25th in yards per attempt. And overall, he's 23rd in passer rating. And all those numbers, out of 34, 34 players who have thrown at least four deep balls, more one, one per game or more, uh, the lowest is four, 34 people. He's thrown 20 deep balls, completed seven for 168 yards. It's not good. His throws downfield have not been accurate. And if you look at the defenses that the Steelers are facing, they're facing a lot of cover one rat where you put, you know, instead of like, it's it's straight man, four defensive linemen, man on every single, you know, running back, tight end, wide receiver. And then you have two extra to defenders. And in cover one rat, you put one of those defenders in the deep middle of the field and you put one of them in the short middle of the field. The advantage of that is it gives you plus one in the box against the run. And it really, really make, shrinks the windows and makes it hard to complete passes into the short middle of the field. If you can do that to teams, it's the best way to run your defense. You That's what, like, really, that's what everyone wants to run. When you have a team that can run cover one defense and have success, you're going to be a good NFL defense. You're going to stop the run. You're going to stop underneath passes. You're going to be able to blitz more. If you can defend and cover one man, you're in good shape. Well, teams are doing that to the Steelers. And one of the reasons they're doing it is because the Steelers haven't been able to connect on throws that are outside and deep. They're not forcing them to put a second safety deep. And so they're not doing it. If we look at 2021 with Ben Roethlisberger, Ben Roethlisberger was uh, 15th in attempts. So Trubisky is attempting deep outside passes at a much higher rate. Slightly better yards per attempt, similar completion percentage, uh, and he had more interceptions throwing outside than Trubisky does. Ben Roethlisberger's worst Worst numbers were on his deep outside throws. And that's one of the reasons teams went to this cover one strategy. Trubisky can make those throws. He's just not completing them. And if you go and you look at the film, a lot of those throws are not on target. They're not in rhythm. But he's not, I mean, he's not terrible at it. There's some plays where the wide receivers drop passes. There's some plays where he's had open ones that he hasn't seen, and there's some plays where he's locked onto a guy when there's something else available and thrown down and downfield and outside. Hasn't been the greatest execution, right? 
Also, deep outside isn't one of the strengths of Matt Canada's offense. Like, there have been plays left out there, but mostly in his offense, that's, that's not a huge focus. A bigger focus for spreading out is short outside passes. The Matt Canada offense tends to use uh, rollout passes and quick outs and things like that to force the other team to deal with your receivers outside and put help wider, not necessarily deeper, but wider. You know, spread them out laterally, not vertically. And that hasn't worked well either. When you look at passes short and outside to the left or right and, and shorter than 15 yards, Trubisky is 19th in attempts. Yeah. And then <laughs> in yards per attempt, he ranks 29th of 33. There are 33 quarterbacks with at least 20 attempts and short outside passes. It's one of the more frequently thrown passes in the NFL because, again, that's one of the main ways you keep people from overloading your box and jamming the middle of the field is you throw quick outside passes. That's where a lot of uh, yards after catch come from, slants and things like that. He is 29th of 33 quarterbacks in yards per attempt. He has a 71% completion percentage, which is actually pretty good. But he ranks 32nd of the 33 qualifying quarterbacks in yards per completion. 32nd of 33. When you look at Ben Roethlisberger in 2021, he was 8th in attempts. He was throwing those passes. One yard per attempt better than Mitchell Trubisky. One full yard. And that difference of that yard is enough to... If you, if you take Ben Roethlisberger in 2021 and you put him into current rankings by his rate numbers, uh, he would be 16th in the NFL in yards per short outside pass attempt compared to Mitchell Trubisky, who is second to last. And if you think of how many times the Steelers have had a third and one, or like they, they end up with a fourth and one or a fourth and two, and you consider a yard, per short pass attempt difference. It's a lot of drives that get extended. In three games, you're talking four or five first downs that didn't happen. Currently in this season, the difference between Ben Roethlisberger throwing short outside and Mitchell Trubisky. And again, we're talking about Ben Roethlisberger in his worst season. When his legs weren't good, the offensive line wasn't good, and he was he was not being able to execute like he used to. Is still significantly better. The Steelers weren't getting yards after the catch then, but they were still completing those passes. 1.3 yards per catch better on short outside passes. And when you're talking about five, when you're talking about outside passes and you're talking about the difference between a six and a half yard pass and a five yard pass, it makes a big deal when you're trying to get a first down. Drives end when those passes are a little shorter. And we've seen that time and time again so far this season where there's short outside routes and they're just not there. And they don't pick up the first down. Both years, the Steelers have struggled throwing over the middle. If we combine uh, deep middle and short middle, just all the throws to the middle. Mitch Trubisky is 22nd in attempts. 25th in yards per attempt. 
23rd in yards per completion, 23rd in passer rating, 29th in completion percentage to the middle of the field. It's not good. That's bad. That's he he is one of the worst passers to the middle of the field. And Ben Roethlisberger in 2021 was sixth in attempts to the middle of the field. Slightly yes, less per completion, much better completion percentage. Much better overall to the middle of the field than Mitch Trubisky. And this is the one where you can really point to Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett and show where the Steelers would be better off with Kenny Pickett. And those exact areas are the throws over the middle because most of those are shorter throws. And where Kenny Pickett thrives is in rhythm, timing and placement in, in, in smaller windows, like the middle of the field. You have a small amount of time and a small amount of space to get the ball. And Kenny Pickett has shown that's what he does best. That's one of his strengths of his game. He also is much better right now, in my opinion, at the short outside throws, the slants, the, the, the outs, especially screen passes. The Steelers' screen game has disappeared. Their little passes out to the flats have disappeared. Because on those passes, it's not so much you know that the throw is hard. It's that the throw has to be placed right. Placement on a throw is so important in there because you have a running back heading outside who's trying to turn up field and get yards quickly, and you have a defense that is moving to them. You have very little margin for error in timing between that receiver catching the ball and getting upfield or catching that ball and getting tackled. And with Mitchell Trubisky on, on short routes, especially ones even to the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage, right around there, his mechanics for how he turns and throws the ball pulls it off target. And you end up with guys having to reach for a ball or slow down to catch the ball or stop and then start again. And you lose half a second. And all of a sudden, that half a second was all that defender needed to get there and stop the play from gaining yards. Ben Roethlisberger was better at that than Mitch Trubisky. Kenny Pickett, in in college and in preseason, was the best at that. Was very good at that. I've said before that switching from Mitchell Trubisky to Kenny to Kenny Pickett would be kind of accepting that the offense that you wanted to be, you're not going to achieve and giving up on it because you're not going to get the same level of, you know, scrambling out and throwing downfield that Mitchell Trubisky seemed to offer. And you'd like to see from him. And we saw in Chicago when he played well, that's what he brought scramble out, hit those passes on the outside. He's not doing that. That's not working. I mean, fifth in attempts. They're trying it. 30th in yards per completion. 27th in yards per attempt. That's terrible. 27th in yards per attempt. That's It's not effective. Defenses aren't worried about it. So you kind of need to bring in something else. You kind of need to add threat somewhere else. And if Kenny Pickett doesn't offer you the same quality of deep outside throws... I don't think it matters at this point. That's not something that's helping this team. That's not something that's working. So that's that's my thoughts on the quarterback position. Mitchell Trubisky is 
mostly who we thought he was and he and some of the things that we thought could he could bring to this team he honestly hasn't he hasn't really run much either like he he he's run when he doesn't need to and the quarterback option plays i've seen him run one where i was like okay that was that was well run that was well executed uh they're running some of them but it's just it's not the weapon that you'd want you know, if you're taking a quarterback and saying, hey, we'll give up some of this accuracy, some of these other things to get a quarterback who can run and be a threat running the ball. Trubisky really hasn't been that either. Really quick, let's go through the rest of the offense, the tight end position. I thought they were going to be the strength of this offense, and they have been. In fact, we talked about the middle of the field attempts. When you get away from the tight ends and dump offs to Najee Harris, Mitchell Trubisky throwing over the middle of the field is one for five for three yards and an interception. Throwing two wide receivers over the middle of the field. Now you you want to see a number that looks a lot better over the middle of the field. You go and you look and you look at Pat Fryermuth's numbers. Because while Trubisky has targeted receivers five times over the middle field, completed one and thrown an interception... When he targets Pat Fryermuth, he has 11 targets, seven of those caught for 92 yards and a touchdown. That's his best numbers. If you look at any kind of pass, his absolute best numbers are actually throwing over the middle to Pat Fryermuth, which is one of the things I expected to see, largely off of play action, uh, you know, getting the ball to Pat Fryermuth. It hasn't worked in play action. Most of those passes have come in kind of garbage situations. Situations where the defense, you know, goes into a cover two. Because they know the Steelers have to throw downfield. And the Steelers instead throw it to Pat Fryermuth because that's what's open. All of a sudden that middle of the field doesn't have, isn't quite as clogged. And he starts hitting Pat Fryermuth. Zach Gentry uh, is, is, I don't think he's had an incompletion yet, you know? So the tight ends have been good. The problem is their usage rate isn't high enough. And the times we rely on them aren't, you know, it's not a steady reliance. It's all of a sudden one drive, Pat Firemuth suddenly becomes a target that they actually throw to. The receivers. Deontay Johnson, we expected a drop-off with Mitchell Trubisky, especially in targets. You didn't expect him to be, you know, get as many targets as he did last year from Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, and I was expecting once Kenny Pickett came in for Deontay Johnson to do better because of those inside routes, those timing routes that, that P- Johnson's so good at, uh, Trubisky isn't so great at. We're seeing a drop-off from Mitchell Trubisky, but it's not on targets. Deontay Johnson is on pace to beat his 2021 target number. But with 1.6 fewer yards per catch, a very slightly higher catch rate, he is much less effective than he was last year when his yards per target wasn't good. It's worse this year. And a lot of that is those short out routes. In 2021, Ben Roethlisberger averaged eight and a half yards 
a little over eight and a half yards to Deontay Johnson on short routes to the outside. That's dropped to 7.6. Again, a, a yard per short pass just isn't good. Uh, he's getting more frequently targeted on deep balls, but it's not as effective. Over the middle, Deontay Johnson in 2021 wasn't targeted a ton over the middle. But in 2022, in three games, he's been targeted twice in the middle of the field with zero receptions. If you cannot threaten the middle of the field with Deontay Johnson credibly, it becomes easier for them to sit on his outside routes. Because you can just kind of, you can take outside leverage and say, I'm going to defend up the field and out. And if you run into the middle, you know, we've got help there. And plus Trubisky doesn't throw there. That's the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. That's the vast majority of the show. We're going to cover that. Who's living up to expectations and who isn't? Well, very few people are. (laughs) Very, very few people are. I would say the people that are are the tight ends, the offensive line. And that's about it. And, and the tight ends aren't getting used enough. So stick with me. We'll do a little break here. Coming out with it and making something new. Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you, as always, by Behind the Steel Curtain, family of podcasts, and BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Make sure you're switching over, clicking over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for all your latest Steelers news. We have cover articles. I, I do several articles each week. I do a... Uh, Grading of the offense, defense, special teams after every game. You can find that the day after, the morning after every game the Steelers play. I also do uh, snap counts. I really enjoy going through stats, as you can tell from the my. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that. Uh, and I, one of the things I enjoy looking at is snap counts and how the Steelers are using their players and how often. Which what's their rotation? You know, I love looking at those type of things. So check those out. Those usually come out the the day after. The Steelers play. Uh, I also have this podcast, of course, that you're currently listening to, which you can find every Tuesday morning, uh, wherever you're listening to this and on any any podcasting platform. And I do a Wednesday night live show that comes out Thursday on the on a, as a podcast. And on Wednesday night, it is live on YouTube or on Facebook Live uh, through Behind the Steel Curtain. And that is Know Your Enemy, where we look toward to the Steelers' opponent for their next game. So that's me tooting my own horn, telling you uh, the stuff I do every week. Uh, There's lots of other great podcasts that I enjoy, and there's lots of other articles that I enjoy reading as well. So make sure you're checking out all the podcasts on the Steeler Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts and all the articles at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. In the first half of this episode, we talked about the offense, spent a lot of time talking about the quarterback. Now we're going to move on to the defense. And the defense to me isn't as hard because there's a few big issues with the defense right now. Okay. We look at the defensive line. 
they're not they're they're still not the best run stopping defensive line. They still miss Stephon Tuitt. He was a big part of that run defense. And they lost the battle of the Browns offensive line worse than than I remember seeing in quite a while. I mean, the, that Browns offensive line usually doesn't do as well against the Steelers as they do against most other teams. This time they really did. They dominated. And we look at that defensive line. Cam Hayward. Uh, we're still waiting to see if he has some decline. Maybe he has declined a slight bit this year, um, but it's it's hard to tell. Like it's been kind of a, a rough season as it is. They've they've played too many snaps, and with TJ Watt out, everything is thrown off. So who knows? Maybe he's just getting more attention. I don't know. Larry Ogunjobi looks like a lesser version of Stefan Tuitt. He's doing really well. That's what I hoped for. That we would get a lesser version of Stefan to it. And that's what we're getting from Larry Ogunjobi. Uh, he's lived up to his billing. Tyson Alualu has come back pretty strong, pretty well. Uh, not the player he was before he got hurt, but pretty dang close right now. So that's good. Uh, Chris Wormley has been the same Chris Wormley we remember. Rookie DeMarvin Leal has actually stepped up and played a lot more. He has some Errors in keeping his run lane integrity on the defense. He tends to chase the ball more and, and try and make splash plays and can give up give up containment for that. He's done that on quarterback rushes where he's rushed the quarterback and kind of given up containment and let a guy slip out for a run. And he's done that in run defense as well, where he's overplayed you know what he sees and then the running back cuts back and, and there's an open lane there. That's happened a bit to him. Isaiah Loudermilk, we haven't seen yet this season. He was, he was actually a breath of fresh air and looked really good last year. This offseason, he, he went, put on more weight, did more for his conditioning, and then didn't earn a spot on the active roster. Hasn't played a snap yet. Montrevious Adams has been good. Nose tackle depth, a little few, a few little times he's come in. Moving to the linebackers, Miles Jack. Uh, I, I feel like I say this all the time. Miles Jack has been Miles Jack. He has he, he's not an all pro first team kind of guy anymore. He's not going to be that player, especially on this defense. But he has really locked down that inside linebacker position to become a strength for the Steelers. He's really good. I would not be surprised if he makes a Pro Bowl this year. You know, that's kind of the level he is. Not all pro, but definitely Pro Bowl level. Devin Bush in week three looked like the Devin Bush. I kept saying, you know, we're hoping we get back. He was recovering from the injury. He was slow in getting back. 2021, he was not fully healthy. He wasn't moving well. 2022, he comes in, gets banged up a little bit, and then looked very timid uh, Or in the preseason. And then as the regular season started, he he, he has improved every game. And, and this past game, was was varsity play. It was above the line for Devin Bush. It's not quite who he was in 2020, uh, but this was 2019-level Devin Bush to me. It's how he was moving, how he was playing. He's not fully back, but uh, if this is what we get from him, then he is a solid starting linebacker to possibly even more than that. He's being a plus linebacker for this team, that's fantastic. That's something the team needed, uh, but it, it hasn't yet really done much more than 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 limit the damage and in in week three he did a lot made a lot of plays to limit damage 
and to set the team up to make another play, you know, like on a, on a second and short, you stuff somebody. Well, they still have third and short. And uh, like we saw in the goal line, he had some good tackles to stop, uh, to stop the Browns from scoring with Kareem Hunt. And then they just scored anyways. Uh, <laughs> didn't really, it didn't make the difference. They were still able to score, but he made the plays himself when he had a chance to make a play. He made it. And that's good. We look at safeties. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick has been Minka Fitzpatrick. He has definitely been more of the playmaker we wanted to see. Uh, and I think part of that has to do with Miles Jack and Devin Bush. Minka Fitzpatrick is coming up a lot in run support, uh, but he's also being freed up to make a lot more plays because he doesn't have to do as much work to cover for the linebackers with Miles Jack and Devin Bush playing better. Terrell Edmonds has actually struggled a bit. I'm normally in here championing Terrell Edmonds and saying, you know, he's better than you people think he is. And uh, he's actually had a bit of a bit of a rough time last couple of games. He had some mental errors against Cleveland. But again, he is asked to do a ton in this defense, right? When you're asking Miles, when you're asking Terrell Edmonds to be a major run stopper, to be a guy who takes on offensive linemen, to be a side-to-side, you know, a, a, a lateral runner to, to shut down outside plays. You're asking him to play zone. You're asking him to play on the edge. You're asking him to play in the box a lot. And you're also then asking him to be a primary cover guy. That's a lot for one player. You're really asking him. The Steelers really ask him to play a superstar role. They ask him to play a role like he is one of the most talented defenders on their team. Like this is the kind of role, the, the role that Terrell Edmonds plays is the kind of role that a college football team gives to their absolute best athlete. When you see linebackers coming to the NFL and they're like, this guy can blitz, he can run, stop the run, he can take on blockers, he can cover you know, wide receivers. Holy crap, this guy's a superstar. That's the kind of role Terrell Edmonds is playing on the Steelers' defense. He struggled a bit in it because, frankly, he's not a superstar. But he is playing a very difficult role for this team. And he's doing a pretty solid job of it. I wouldn't say he's doing a great job of it, especially in week three. Uh, The Browns were able to get the better of him a number of times. Uh, But it's a kind of role where you, you, if you can live with the times he's going to get beat because you're you're putting him in a mismatch. Uh, if you can use that to make plays, it's great. When T.J. Watt is getting sacks or Mink is getting an interception because Terrell Edmonds was taking on a harder role and freeing those guys up to just be playmakers, that's great. When the playmaking doesn't come and the team is able to, to, to have time to attack Edmonds and, and beat him, that's when it's bad. Lastly, the cornerbacks. Akello Witherspoon, uh, even as he played great last season, I've, I've always been skeptical of him because, to me, he is a nickel or dime back. Right? If you go back to 2019, Steven Nelson, Nelson really wasn't involved in run defense much at all. Uh, Nelson wasn't involved covering short. He was he was taking the deep guys. His, his best role was uh, in situations where they do their pattern matching and one player is going to take the deepest, you know, the deepest receiver. It was Steven Nelson doing that. And he was, you know, it worked well with Edmund's skill set and Nelson together worked well. And then 
Witherspoon fit that kind of role. If you go to 2020, Steven Nelson stepped up and played a very much more complete cornerback role for the Steelers and really played like a cornerback one type of uh, type of role. You know, he was doing those kind of doing that job, not at that level that, you, you know, you would say is like an all star cornerback, but he was taking on that responsibility and doing it well. Akella Witherspoon has stepped up to take on that responsibility. He has worked on being a better tackler, and he has. He's been doing a much better job of it. His coverage is struggling for it. We're seeing him take some losses. And I I kind of wonder if asking him to do more takes away from his ability to be that cover specialist. We'll see how it works out in the long run, but that's what I'm a little worried about. Uh, I expected Levi Wallace to be the starting cornerback over Akella Witherspoon, but Witherspoon beat out Wallace. What I've seen of Levi Wallace on the field is exactly what I expected to see from him, and it's been good. It's been mostly very good. Cameron Sutton is who we know who he is, a very good cornerback too, uh, who can slide around and play inside in the nickel or dime, can play safety, can go all over. He can move anywhere and play any position. Very good cover to very good number two corner, not a number one corner. When he's up against a high top-end wide receiver and he doesn't have help, you're in trouble. He's just not cut out for that. As well, look at the cornerbacks. They've, they've been good. Uh, the depth has been good. Trey Norwood's been good. It's been very solid. It's Part of the problem is with T.J. Watt out, and that's a good transition to talking about the outside linebackers, with T.J. Watt out, there's a lot of threat to the quarterback that just isn't there anymore. And this defense is dropping off from being a, you know, threat to be a top five passing defense to kind of, you know, skirting the outside of the top 10, maybe. Maybe good enough to be top 10. Probably not, right? That, that's the difference TJ Watt makes. And it's one thing to say this dealer's defense isn't nearly as good with TJ Watt. It's another to say that TJ Watt makes this defense so much better by being on it. And who's going to disagree with that? You take any you take any defense in the NFL and you put TJ Watt on it, you just made that defense significantly better than it was without TJ Watt. Significantly. So when you're looking at a defense that is top 10, maybe top 5 and then you take out a TJ Watt, what do you expect you're going to get? Move from the seventh best defense to the ninth best defense? I mean, TJ Watt has a much bigger impact than that. In fact, we're at the point where for me to discuss the value of TJ Watt, I'm going to go to quarterbacks. I'm going to compare him to quarterbacks. I'm going to compare him to, let's say, 2016, 2017. The Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger starting and with Ben Roethlisberger not playing. Is Ben Roethlisberger out there? Sweet. This offense is going to be good. Is Ben Roethlisberger not out there? Crap. This offense is probably not going to be that good. Like that's that's the level TJ Watt brings to this defense. That's what he brings. He's that level of a player. Uh, so to me, 
to me, sitting there expecting, you know, next man up to mean that TJ Watt is out and the Steelers defense is going to be just as good. Frankly, that's disrespectful to TJ Watt. TJ Watt, like, please appreciate the difference he makes and would make on literally any team when he's on the field. He's that good. This defense is is going to be significantly improved when TJ Watt is healthy again. And while he's out, they're going to have to find a way to make do. And it doesn't help at all that this offense is terrible. Last player I want to talk about is Alex Highsmith. Alex Highsmith, the expectations for him this season was to take a step up. And he has taken a bigger step up than I expected. He is really becoming a very good outside linebacker in his own rights. Not just when he has TJ Watt. We saw that against the Browns. He was a high point of that game. He was one of the best players on that defense. Really stepped up and played well. Uh, big. He, he's a really good player. I hope we see this defense. My, my, my hope for this defense with Watt out. I know this isn't the, kind of the story of this episode. I'm supposed to be doing expectations. But I'm, I'm bouncing off of that here because if this defense can find a way to be to be good, right? Now they're kind of league average. If they can be a little better than average and really build up, you know, their play around TJ without TJ Watt here when TJ Watt comes back, the play around TJ Watt being better is will not be a bad thing. If this team can survive life without TJ Watt, they will thrive when they get him back. So far, they haven't. They haven't in several years. You know, they, they don't win when T.J. Watt doesn't play. It's just a fact. If they can start finding a way to win, you know, with some better offense, with defense, you know, making a few plays, then we're, then we're, then we're getting somewhere when T.J. Watt comes back. But right now, not good. It's not good. I really wanted to do this show to show that there are players who are living up to or exceeding expectations, even as the Steelers have been disappointing. The offensive line, uh, George Pickens, Pat Fryermuth on the offense, on the defense, Cam Hayward, still Cam Hayward. The defensive line is uh, struggling, but they're not as bad. Miles Jack, Devin Bush are living up to expectations. Alex Highsmith, really growing as a player. But we need, obviously we need more than we've seen. Obviously we need a lot more than we've seen. And that's what we're looking for. The Steelers have a long break before the Jets game, a few extra days. They need to get it together and start setting a better trajectory for the rest of the season. A lot of people looking at the first three weeks of the season would have said probably two and one. Lose to the Bengals beat the Browns, beat the Patriots, or even, you know, lose one of those games. I was looking at this opening three-week span of being a one-and-three opening week span because Thursday night football on the road, you don't win those games. Those are games the, the road team just almost always loses. We lost. We should have won it, I, in my opinion, if the offense was decent. It's embarrassing how we lost it. Uh, but that's also a common Thursday night thing is, is one team just looks embarrassingly bad. Even though even teams that aren't bad just look super bad on Thursday night. This team needs to, to reset come in 
to the New York Jets and start a better trajectory for the rest of the season. Because if you lose to the Jets, that's a really bad sign. If you have extra days to prepare for them, more time to prepare for the Jets than they have to prepare for you, you're facing Joe Flacco. I mean, come on. You have to win this game. And more than more than the defense showing up and, and stopping Joe Flacco, we need to see the Steelers' offense move the ball and score points. I want 20 points from the offense. Minimum. 20, 21 points from the offense. And I'll be okay with it. More than that, you know, would be great, Steelers' offense. All right. That is it for my show. Thank you all for listening. As always, have a great week, and let's go Steelers. Steelers.